in a beautiful mountain town in northern BC, halfway between Prince George and Prince Rupert on Highway 16. Smithers, BC is the home to many very talented artists, and I've decided to sit down in conversation with some of them and find out just what makes them tick. Welcome to Conversations in Art. Today, artist Mark Tebow has invited me into his studio in the Central Park building in Smithers, B.C. It's just off Highway 16, so you'll hear the cars zooming past. Mark is an abstract painter, musician, music teacher, and guitar maker. Mark Tebow, can you spell your name for me? Sure. It's uh, Mark with a K and Tebow, T-H-I-B-E-A-U-L-T. There's a lot of letters in there that you don't hear. Where are you from? I'm originally from Bell River, Ontario, just outside of Windsor. How did you find your way to Smithers? Moved to Vancouver in, I think, 95, and worked at a guitar factory down there, and met my ex-wife, Jenny Lester, and she had family up here, so we came up here and visited her family and just fell in love with the valley. And you take that, you just come over Hungry Hill there, and you just, that's it, you're sold, you're here. Yeah. Have you always been artistic? Yeah, it's always been music, building guitars, and art, and yeah, the guitar building came when I moved to Vancouver, started working for John Lehrer there. So you've got a lot going on with your art and guitar making and you play in a band called Hungry Hill. Yeah, so a lot of creativity. Yeah, exactly. I think that life often forges those opportunities if you're open to them. If you just go with it and trust it, it can get difficult at times, but it does. It seems to roll itself out for you. Absolutely. I mean, that's what art's all about, opening yourself up to something. Yeah, it's really, I just speak, receptive to different opportunities just recognizing being inspired and recognizing potential in that moment. I think that's largely what artists do, whether they're at the canvas or whether they're making life decisions. If you're doing it from from this feeling that it's right, then you go with it and, and trust it. So tell me about your art. It's abstract expressionist in nature. It's it's funny how like the work can feel very different from one, one piece to the next at times. But then when I hang them in a gallery or in my studio, as we're in right now, I see similarities in them. And some of these were completed two years ago and, and some more recently. I think that's the most recent one there. I think like your signature, that's your way of making marks. I think that abstract expressionism is inspired by the marks that I'm making. So I build on that. I'll start to build on that without any preconception as to what the piece is going to look like. As a matter of fact, when I'm going out and just walking and taking visual inventory of things. I try not to study things too much. I just try to get little quick snapshots of things to be inspired by so that when I go to the canvas, it's just those things will come in. And surprising how much it does, you know, it does work its way into the work. So again, it's that whole trusting. And it's funny how when you try and prescribe something to a painting, I could look at these paintings around us right now and I could tell you which marks were forced and intentional and done over again when just, you have to really trust that. So it's really based on that. So you just really don't know where it's it's going and then hopefully in the end, it's something that you can live with for a while. So if I understand correctly, you go out and collect little bits and pieces of inspiration and then you come to the canvas and throw them down. Yeah, without the idea that you're throwing them down, you're just moving with the canvas. And sometimes if you can't get moving, I guess it's like a writer, you just start writing a train of 
thought or whatever, you know, you start writing. So often I'll do that, I'll approach a canvas and just start sketching and start moving, just moving with something in your hand that's making a mark. And then ideally you'll start to get inspired by that and you start to, you personally start to leave and you then that's the ideal, that's the perfect moment when you're no longer there and you're just reacting to the piece in front of you and building on that. Mm, that's really interesting. Are you using multimedia or are you working in building layers of paint? It is. Actually, I, I do that quite a bit. Build up layers. I like the idea of a piece that actually goes farther than left and up and down and, and you, could, you feel like you can travel into the piece. So, you, so in this case, this piece behind me here, it has a lot of textural stuff and then you just keep building on that and building on that and um, hoping for that moment of energy where you can step aside and say, I think that's done. But uh, yeah, multimedia, it's that piece is and acrylic. I use a lot of ink. This one's an ink, acrylic, and it's like a wax stick. It's called a prisma stick. It's like a colored pencil, great stuff. And that's mostly what I use is acrylic and ink, but I do love oil. So I've been playing with oil quite a bit, but because I work so quickly, I, I can't wait for things to dry half the time. You know, I have to get in there and just keep moving things around, which results in some interesting marks. That's what happens with this ink here. And I'm pulling it around and pulling it with the acrylic paint and um, painting over areas that are still very wet. But when you start to do that with oil, you can end up with this kind of gray blob sometimes, but sometimes you can make that work. I would imagine moving between the different mediums, each one will make you either take your time or make you sit with things and contemplate. Is that right? Yeah, oh, for sure. It, it, the, the medium you're working with will change your process, like this Yupo paper that I'm using here on these pieces. It was the first I've ever used this stuff, and it's almost like a mylar texture. I've got that. But it, I've never used anything that reacts quite like this does, how the medium kind of sits on top of it and puddles and then moves around. That, again, inspires your mark making. So I found that I was approaching that a little bit differently than I would say like watercolor paper where it's just, as soon as you put something down, it's just, it's soaked right in. There's no going back over it. So with you, I could wipe it off. Could do it again and, and it leaves traces of the edits and it, it just gives that volume and that depth that I was talking about with the other pieces. You said earlier that you get glimpses of things. Is that where you get your inspiration and how does that start? Yeah, it starts by like really putting in the time. Like it, it starts by just approaching the canvas and making a mark. It really, it really does. Like I said, I do a lot of visual inventory and I'll look at things in a different way. I'll try not to study so that when I do approach the canvas that I am ready to just start mark making. It's partly a cathartic process too. We've had a bit of a rough year and a half as we all have. It's funny how that changed my mark making too. It's like communicating. It's like talking. It's what I need to do to understand myself a little bit and maybe even communicate myself a little bit more than I can do with music or with words or writing or whatever. It's just it's its own language and it feels like it's a language that I resonate with and I feel comfortable with. Do you ever feel like art kicks your ass? All the time, yeah. In one painting, like it, it'll kick your ass and then you'll feel good about it for a moment. You'll feel like a hero for a couple of days and you look back at it two days later and it's, what was I thinking? It's the ones that really stand the test of time. I can look at pieces that may be very different than how I'm working now, but I can look at them and say, there's something there. Like it's, I still feel good about it. There may be some weak moments, but it feels really good somehow. And that's generally when the quick mark making and the kind of mindless mark making 
when I'm not there imposing myself and my ego upon the work, that the work becomes stronger and it has a longer heel. What do you mean about imposing your ego on the work? That's a really interesting thing to say. To think that I know better than all the things that are going through me. I'd rather be a channel for all that. I'd rather be a conduit for all that inspiration and aggravation and whatever it is that is going on. I'd rather lead myself and I'd rather not spell it out and say this is, again, it's that language, right? It's, I'm not going to write about it, I'm not going to do anything, but I will express something. So the ego would be you're going and you're thinking about what are art critics going to think? What are galleries going to think? What do I think of this? What do my peers think of it? When you can let all that go and just work and make honest marks, there's sometimes when I get to a piece to a certain point and I think, well, it does just need this little bit of something right here and it'll complete the piece. It'll feel balanced or it'll feel formally correct somehow. And sometimes that just changes the painting completely and it kicks your ass and you're starting over again. You know, it's like a whole new canvas. For the length of time I'm with that painting, I try to keep my intent out of it because I don't think I know better than there's no way that I can take everything that's going on and try and channel it down intentionally and, and there's some colors that just happen on the canvas as a result of making this mud and then all of a sudden there's this beautiful color that kind of comes through it I can I probably couldn't think about how to make that color or even to put it in that area but you do have to recognize when those elements are coming together so you have to have some sense of formal aesthetic and that kind of thing and to, to recognize that's the biggest thing with the gallery in two rivers I talked about being a witness and I think that's a large part of what my responsibility is when I'm at the canvas is to just start moving with it and then identify when things are working. Don't question why they're working and don't try and steer from that point. Remove myself again and allow it to just keep flowing. Oh right, okay, that's what you mean when you're talking about abstract expressionism. I think I get it now. Yeah. Have you seen your work change over the COVID lockdowns? I did, yeah. I started a whole different series. Not intentionally, just I started to recognize there were different marks, whereas up to that point, up to that January or February of last year, I was making large gestural marks, just very confident large gestural marks. But then as things started to feel like things were closing in and things were closing and I just felt my mark making became a little smaller and a little bit more not calculated but definitely almost doodle like just still mindless but smaller it, it, I just couldn't approach the canvas with the same energy I tell people it felt like I was dancing at a funeral and you're approaching this big canvas and you're trying to be large with it it just didn't it just didn't feel right it just felt like I need to work smaller. It's still being absent, trying to remove myself from it, but still channel things. It's not completely a cathartic process, but um, still kind of just move, and those movements just became smaller. Are you a meticulous planner when you start painting, or you do you just grab a thing and start? It's grab a thing and start going for the most part, yeah. House paint is great because it's cheap and because I do so much editing and I just keep painting over things and painting over things. Sometimes there's an energy that happens almost immediately in a painting and sometimes you work on a piece for months until it has that feel. But yeah, the materials usually are what's to my right, whatever's, whatever's handy, whatever I want to just grab and start paints or inks or whatever. And even colors, I try not to be too prescriptive with the colors. I'll try and trust that the palette will find itself or I'll be able to identify when the colors are working together or whether it needs to be steered in a certain direction. But that's a decision I make after that moment that you approach the canvas and you start making marks and a lot of marks and the piece starts to come together, ideally, and then it becomes a little more prescriptive. You say you're always collecting inspiration. Is that from your environment? 
Are you inspired by the Bulkley Valley? Do you still feel connected to the place? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Living in Talqua, there's this trail right behind us, and I, I try to get out on that trail two or three times a week, and it's a very grounding thing. There's a lot of appreciation when I'm walking along the river there for our, the natural beauty that we have around us, an observation of its fragility. So then when I come back to the studio, all those feelings and all those images are there. So that's that's the connection. And it may not come out looking exactly like the landscape, but it's, uh, it's got elements of it. Do you have a favorite piece that you've created or does that change all the time? I think it changes all the time. I have some, yeah, and I think they, they all, they all have their own little character and something that I really like about them. You know, this one back here, is the, that was at the beginning of the of COVID you know, with this, but uh, that was rolled out on the floor here and just working right on the floor and very loose. So there's like almost like a kind of a cartoon character about that piece, which is not in all my pieces, but it's in a few of them. So yeah, I, th I think every piece, again, this cartoony feel about this one. I didn't think I would enjoy titling pieces as much as I am lately. It was funny, after I graduated from university and up until just maybe two years ago, everything was untitled. And lately, part of the process now is looking at the piece and trying to not be too prescriptive with the title, but still try and bring something together that all that mark making, how it makes you feel or what it rem may remind you of but without being too prescriptive. So I've been enjoying that challenge, whereas before I was just like, the, the work should speak for itself. But then I realized, but that's just a whole other dimension of the work if you title it. And if you keep that title accessible enough for people to come in and take that title and complete it themselves. And the viewer is always the, the final author, is the final, the person that puts it together. So. We're just painting and putting it out there and hoping that, that that happens. Tell me about your education. You said you went to art school? I did, yeah. It was uh, University of Windsor, Bachelor of Fine Arts in Painting and Drawing. And it was, at that time, an incredible program. They had a sculpture department, painting, printmaking. Yeah, at the school they had the foundry where you could do casting. So it was really good. It was a great program, great artists that were teaching there, great professors. And my fourth year of university, I did mostly sound installations. Multimedia was picking up at that time and I was working with other visual artists that were musicians so we were doing large performances and I would do artwork for the projections behind the stage and I would do stage props and stuff like that so it was like we were playing music but we were in this this theatrical setting that was with video projections and sculptures and everything on, on stage with us. That all sounds amazing. I wish they had art school for older people. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, I went. I worked at General Motors for four years, so I, was, I went back as, a, as an adult student. And I was, Chuck MacArthur, he was like, I don't know, he was a great guy, Chuck Olding. He was like 60-something, and he was just loving it. Everybody in the school was just so inspired by Chuck coming back to school, and he was just, he was great. Are you going international? There's interest around the world, I wouldn't say around the world, but in London. I've got a gallery, Lean Pal Fine Art, that's carrying my stuff. And this is just since last April, so just in the past year and so she's showing my stuff and we're just really developing that relationship but she's got a great gallery there she's been doing a lot of online stuff she just opened a gallery last September when they just started with a major lockdown so she opened up her gallery and then it was a big lockdown there the gallery is in Notting Hill yeah that's what a friend of mine just uh, she was a guitar camp student there, and she just visited the gallery and, and she lives right in that area and she said it's a really nice 
location. Yeah, pretty excited. And then just this publication, the Artfolio Annual, just came out. It's the second edition of it. I got featured in that. One of my pieces is in there. So yeah, I feel good about it. It's validation on some level. It's curious, you know, because a lot of artists create art for art's sake. But at the end of the day, you've got to pay for all of the tools and all of the stuff that goes with it. So there is a business of art. Yeah. There must also be some kudos when somebody else likes your work enough to pay money for it. How do you get your word out about your art? How do you get people to notice you? Instagram was a big thing. I think I just opened up an Instagram account like two years ago and just started putting feelers out there. And it built largely on the show that I had here in 2017, I think. And just recognized that people liked my stuff. I think I sold like over half the show that the opening night or something. So I thought I need to revisit this and do more of it. And it felt right to do more of it. I teach music. I teach uh, music part-time and I'm still building guitars and the odd sale of art here and there, but uh, it doesn't stop me from making art because that's what I need to do. So just, just you know, keep putting the feelers out there and just hope that, just hope that I can keep making art. Does selling art motivate you to paint? It'd be nice. I mean, I think about that occasionally, but then when you think about I've got to sell, then you start thinking about what's sellable. And then it, it changes the way I at least approach the canvas or approach something. I think about this is probably a bit more colorful, accessible palette. And, and I think we can't do that with our I just have to trust that same momentum that happened in 2017 where it seemed I've got really good feedback and then I've been getting shows from that and getting solo shows from that and residencies from that. That's probably validation enough and then they just continue on making the work. I mean really you can never tell what's going to be sellable. Artists have worked and never sold a painting until after they're long gone. I mean it's interesting to think about how many artists have died without ever being recognized or selling a painting. And then years later, their paintings are selling for millions. It's crazy. I was just listening to the podcast and they were talking about that and how sometimes it takes generations for people to see the, how the work was relevant and it maybe even biographical of that time. But then it's also quite curious when you look at, you know, artists who can stick a white paper bag on a white wall in an empty room and that's the end all and be all. And you know what, I'm fine with not getting that. And I, I, it's funny, there was that, that piece where the, the banana was duct taped to the museum wall and just recently, and I have no idea. I don't, I don't even want to question it. I, I don't want to even think about it. Not because I don't think, it's just not where my head is at, you know, that, that conceptual side of work and like how that makes sense. And maybe it does, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. If there's a group of people that say that this does something for me, then that's, that's wonderful. Regardless of what your art is, if it's enriching somebody's life somehow, including your own, then that's a good thing to take away. Yeah. Well, Mark, I wish you the greatest success. I think your art is wonderful and it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Can you let our listeners know where they can find more about your work? Yeah, it's marktheboe.com. M-A-R-K-T-H-I-B-E-A-U-L-T.com. Thanks for joining us, and next week we'll be talking to artist Leah Pipe. Conversations in Art is brought to you by Roadhouse Smithers. Comfort food, well-traveled. If you're traveling on Route 16, you definitely want to stop into Roadhouse. It's got a beautiful ambiance, inspired cocktails, and probably the best chicken sandwich you'll ever taste in your life. 
check them out on www.roadhouse-smithers.com.